I want you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 today. Michael Beagler is going to continue teaching through uh, the sermon series. been walking through the letter to the Romans. Uh, those of you who don't know Michael, Michael is, serves as an elder here. He's also on, one of the key leaders helping us plant a church in Anamosa, Risen Hope Church. More importantly, he's husband to Kayla and father to Charlie, Phoebe, and Lewis. And so he's going to be teaching from Romans chapter 8. I would like to read the passage for us. Listen carefully to God's word, and then I'll pray for our opportunity to sit under the scriptures together. Apostle Paul writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Father, we thank you now that we have heard your word and now can have the word of God uh, heralded preached before us. I pray, Lord, for clear minds to hear your word, uh, open hearts uh, to respond to your word. Lord, sometimes the word of God convicts, sometimes it comforts. We pray, Holy Spirit, that whatever each saint in this room needs uh, by your word to be led into obedience to your honor, that you would do that. But I also pray for us corporately as a church family, God, that we would hear as one body that you would unite us under your word, keep us from the evil one, and use us for your glory. Uh, Bless your servant now, Michael, as he comes to teach us your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Matt. Also, thanks to everybody on the worship team. Those are great songs, and... Something that I love about the songs that we sing here is that they remind us of the glory that God has and the glory that we have to look forward to. I really appreciated the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father, in Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. Um, And we see all three of the characters of the Trinity in this passage. There's God who subjected the earth in hope 
to the problems that we see around us. There's um, Christ, his son, who through his sacrifice has made it so that we can enter into the glory of the resurrection. And, there, and then there's the Holy Spirit who walks alongside us, interceding for us. And so it's exciting stuff. But sometimes that seems so far away, Christ's coming. And we get bogged down with the things of this world and we groan inside when we see what's not right. Um, we as humans do an awful lot of groaning. We, how many of you guys have groaned this morning already? Yeah? <laughs> I, I thought about telling a dad joke, which I do frequently, because those elicit a lot of groans, and we could have checked off the rest of you. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Those are best done um, spontaneously, so maybe I'll have to do it some th- somewhere throughout the sermon. Um, <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, we groan for little reasons. Maybe your kids woke you up on your one day to sleep in. Um, maybe your beautiful spouse forgot to pick up milk on, on their shopping trip amongst the million of other things they were purchasing. Or maybe you're groaning for bigger reasons. Maybe you're groaning because you're struggling in your marriage. Or maybe you're groaning because someone you love, or maybe even yourself, is going through some kind of chronic pain or disease. Um, In today's passage, we're going to see that even creation groans because of mankind's brokenness. And we as Christians groan because we haven't reached the fullness of our adoption as sons. And the Holy Spirit groans on our behalf because we are still not able to understand or ask for what we need from our Heavenly Father. We groan because we have this feeling that things aren't right. Or, at the very least, they, we groan as we, because they're not what we would choose for them to be. But this isn't always how it was, and it's not always how it will be. In Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful. And increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be for yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and the birds of the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of, has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that he, or what he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Well, if you look around, it's pretty easy to say easy to see that the world is not still very good. 
Um, there's brokenness around us in the, um, that we can see in the news. Um, there's brokenness around us we can see here in our church body as people suffer. Um, here in Romans, Paul was writing to the church that was in conflict. They, had already, they were currently experiencing persecution from the Jews who were just saying, like, this new Christian thing, that's not okay. It's not matching up with um, what we have in, in the Torah. But even still, he was, they were gearing up for um, persecution that was going to happen through the Roman Empire, um, which involved um, martyrdom. And Paul even himself ended up being martyred um, for the sake of the gospel. Throughout history, people have recognized the brokenness around them and realized that this is not right. Something deep within the fabric of our bodies tells us there's got to be something more, something that is better than this. And if we get to that something that's better than this, is it even going to be worth all the suffering that we're going through today? The, past, the answer that we see in today's passage for Christians, the answer to this question is a resounding yes. In Romans eight eighteen through 22, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So this is the only time I've really ever taken comfort in somebody else's sufferings. Um, Paul was a guy who suffered. He was beaten multiple times for the sake of the gospel. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked at sea. He had a slew of things that happened to him. But still, Paul says that the glory that we're looking forward to doesn't even compare to these things that he went through. But still, it's not here. It's hard. And we groan. But we're not the only things. We're not the only ones who are groaning. Um, in Romans eight nineteen through 22, it describes how the earth groans because of the subjection that it's been put under. Um, it says in 19, for the creation waits eagerly, or waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, or some translations say futility, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So why does it say the earth is groaning? What's the source of all these conflicts, these um, natural disasters, disease, cancer? What's the cause? Well, it's because it has been subjected to futility. Um, and this is all part of the curse that God laid on the earth because of mankind's original sin. And just the sin that, that God said, this is not good. And he punished mankind and the whole earth, which he said, Adam, rule over the earth. And when those who are in authority do what's wrong, those underneath suffer. And that happens to the earth, and it happened to all of us who then inherited this sin nature, and we're all sinful as well because of that. Um, and when God, when Adam sinned, God said to him, he laid on him this curse and cursed the land when he said to Adam in Genesis three seventeen. to Adam he said, 
Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. That's pretty heavy. And when you think about it, it's like that is a big punishment. That all this brokenness that we see around us is the result of Adam's sin. Um, John Piper, when he was writing on this passage, had something I think was really a good summation of why God is good and right for laying on this, this punishment for all of creation um, because of this sin. Um, he, he had this sermon. It's available on des- his website, Desiring God. And I would, really advise, like, I would really recommend going and looking that up. It was a really big blessing to me this week. Um, but in that sermon, Piper says, you have to have a very high view of God's holiness and justice and glory and deservingness and worth and a very clear view of the outrage and horror of sin and rebellion against that in order to keep this word world from looking like an overreaction to Adam and Eve. Most people, if they try to come to the problem of suffering this way, will say, that's an overreaction because it just doesn't make sense if you don't know how great God is. It doesn't make any sense if God is not the most important reality in the universe. So that if you put him in the scales with six billion people, the scales go like this. Um, They are like dust. Isaiah 40 says the nations are like the drippings from a bucket. They are like dust in the scales until God is is that central for you and that massive for you, God's response to sin makes no sense. Because God is so glorious and so far beyond what we can even comprehend, like this suffering does not compare. And that's not to belittle the fact that this suffering is hard. It is, and it is a big deal. What it is to do is kind of blow off the top of of our understanding, comprehension of how big and how great God is. We kind of like to think of him as like, yeah, he's like, we're here. And then God, he's like, like here on the scale of greatness. And so it seems really unreasonable for God to look down at us and say, hey, I'm going to punish the whole world because of what happened. But when we like understand how infinitely great he is and how infinite, whole, infinitely holy he is, two things happen. Number one, we can understand why he would subject the earth to futility because of our transgression against his holiness. And number two, when he came down to invite us into that holiness and glory, we can understand, like we can not even wrap our mind around the glory that he's inviting us to, because if it was worth subjecting the world to this, it's an amazing, amazing glory. Um, In regards to suffering, 
And instead of blaming God, Piper later say, says in that same sermon, the ultimate global meaning of suffering is that sin is ghastly. Sin is ghastly. Every time you look at some horrific suffering, and there is some suffering that is so horrific, you faint when you see it. You should think, that's how serious sin is. And even though it's that serious, God loved us enough to send his son to take the penalty for that and to bring us into his great glory. We can't wrap our minds around it. Um, But something that I think is really important for us to remember is that this passage says that the earth groans in birth pains. God did not subject creation to this futility for all of eternity. He He subjected it until we are to be revealed as the sons of God. And there's a big difference between the cries of somebody who is in agony dying from a fatal disease and the cries of a woman who is in pain for childbirth. Because if you're in a fatal disease, your groans are going to end in death. But for a woman in childbirth, your groans end in new life and something that you can't even imagine. But we still are here in these broken bodies and we still groan. Romans 8.23 says, Not only so, but ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. So, who are the sons of God? Um, Throughout this whole chapter, um, through one, through right up until um, the passage where we started, it reveals that that those who are in Christ, who the Spirit is working in, are the sons of God. Romans 14 through 15. um, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit is... You received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry out, Abba, Father. So here we go. Like there's kind of a little bit of disconnect here because in 14, it says he we received and he has brought about our adoption. That's past tense. It's happened. But here in verse, um, in verse 23 through 25, it says we're, we're awaiting our adoption as sonship. So what, what does this even mean if, if it, it is now, but it's, we're still awaiting it? Um, so the way that, that I see it is when Christ died, he sealed our, our adoption, we, it's done. It's paid for. All the paperwork is done. Um, we are God's children and nothing can separate us from his love. But it's like we're on the car ride home. We haven't gotten to his mansion, his glorious place, which is ours through Christ. We haven't arrived there yet. So even though we are our gods and we are adopted, we haven't experienced the glory that's waiting for us. Romans 8:24 says for hope or for 
This hope we were saved, but hope that is not seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already, what they already have? So that's why we're still placing our hope in this future, in this glorious future that he has for us. Um, in this culture, when we say hope, we kind of mean it as like this really intangible thing that we, we wish would happen. Like, oh, I really hope my sports team wins. Or I hope I don't get sick when I go out in public. But these things, they may or they may not happen. Um, if you're a Cubs fan, it probably won't happen. Um, but for those of us who are in Christ, when we say hope, um, it's not this intangible thing. It's not this something that we like grasp at, but it is something that is an anchor. Hebrews six nineteen describes our hope in Christ as an anchor for our souls. Um, our daughter Phoebe turned three on Friday and she had told Kayla that she wanted a purple guitar for her birthday. Um, my mom just so happened to be at Goodwill and saw a blue guitar with purple flowers. So she picked it up there, gave it to us. I carefully put it in the back of the van so that um, Phoebe wouldn't see it. And then I forgot it back there. Um, later that week, when um, Kayla put the two kids in the car, she said, you guys get buckled up. I need to run back inside and grab something. She comes back out and she could tell instantly by their stiff posture and this kind of like poorly suppressed smiles on their faces that something was up. And Charlie says, um, Phoebe saw her guitar. <laughs> then he giggles and says, I think that wasn't a very good hiding place. <laughs> they all, everybody laughed. And Phoebe bursts out with exuberance. I like my guitar. And, Fe and Kayla said, you don't know that's your guitar. Maybe it's for somebody else. To which Phoebe re replied with complete confidence, it is my guitar. <laughs> and she continued giggling. And she was right. It was her guitar. However, if Kayla had then taken the guitar and given it to Kayla, to Phoebe... She wouldn't have been hoping for this guitar. But because we waited for Phoebe's birthday to give it to her, even though she knew it was her guitar, she had that to hope and look forward to. In the same way, we know we have something good and beautiful and glorious to look forward to in heaven, even beyond what we can even imagine. But we haven't experienced it yet. So we wait And as we wait, like, we still groan. Because, as Paul said earlier in Romans, we do the things that we don't want to do. And, and we don't do the things that we want to do. And, and even our prayers are done. Like, we don't even know how to pray. Um, correct? Like, we can't pray to God well. But God is here in our groaning, and he's made He's made a way for us to be in a relationship with him through Christ and to live in a relationship through the intercession of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 26, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know 
what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with his or with the will of God. When I first heard this concept of the Holy Spirit interceding for us, I was pretty young. Um, and I was a little bit indignant that somebody was changing my prayers on their way to God. Um, and I remember, I don't even remember what I was praying for, but I really wanted it. And so I remember praying, and Holy Spirit, please don't change this one. <laughs> um, um, so that reminds me a lot of our children today um, who don't know what's best for them. Um, they don't realize that it is not healthy to, to try to maintain a, a solid diet of sugars. Um, if they could eat only sugar, that'd probably be okay with them. They don't realize when they fall on the floor weeping because they're having a hard time sharing a toy. What they don't really need is that toy. What they really need is a nap. Um, I am blessed with a wife who is much better at knowing what my children need than I am and who is far better able to articulate what they need than they are. And so Kayla often, to me, works as an intercessor and says, Michael, they haven't had a nap today. Or, um, Charlie, what you really need is to have something that has some protein in it and not just some candy. Um, And in this way, the Holy Spirit, in love for us, intercedes and and helps us to pray, like in our prayers, um, asking for what's good and what's best for us. Um, Now there's the question, okay, so if he's interceding according to God, according to the will of God, what's the point in prayer anyways? Um, And this kind of betrays a bad mindset on what prayer is. Uh, I think a lot of us, myself included, kind of think of prayer as like this vending machine where we're like, push the buttons and try to get out what you want. And if that were the case, then you're right. Like, it wouldn't make sense to pray. If, if God was a vending machine and you push the buttons and every time it just spits out broccoli, no matter what you put in, like, no, it wouldn't be worth praying. But prayer is so much more than asking God to change his will to match ours. Prayer is about a relationship with us and God. And it's about praising God. It's about thanking God. I would be grieved if the only time my kid talked to me was to try to get something out of me or to try to get me to make his life the way he wanted it. Especially if as a parent, I knew what was better than him, and he was asking for something that was going to hurt him anyways. Um, But God is good, and he wants what's best for us. It's not like God is sitting there, and he's like, well, here's my glory. Here's what Michael wants. And they're two completely different things. God is glorified when he blesses us and brings about our good. Romans 8, 28 through 30 says, and we know in We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. The glory that he has planned for us is amazing. And and the suffering that we're going through really is, in a lot of ways, him building us into the people um, to reflect Christ's image. But just like Christ suffered, and Christ really suffered, um, this glory, this amazing glory that we can't even see, like it would blind us to be in the presence of God. Jesus was in the presence of God, and he came down here, which like that in of itself is probably a shock beyond what we can even understand. Um, but even then, he submitted himself to death on a cross, and he suffered. And so, and he calls us. Um, back in Romans 17, it says that we are the sons of God if we suffer with Christ. We are being conformed in his image through this suffering, and God is working good in it. And it doesn't compare to the glory that is to come. Ephesians 3.20 said, describes God as him who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Our hearts are groaning for this goodness, but God says, yes, I will give you this goodness. But more than what you're asking for, I'm going to give you beyond what you can ask and beyond what you can imagine. So we return to that question, is it worth it? Is the suffering we experience as we wait for our adoption really worth the glory that is to come? Paul says that it is. And remember verse 8 that he says that the suffering, these sufferings aren't even worthy to com- compare to the glory that is to come. So as we wait, let's do it with patience, eagerness, and um, perseverance. So the application today is what does it mean? So the world was good, we sinned and messed it up, and now here we are waiting for our adoption of sons so we can experience this glory. What do we do here while we wait? Well, first part is we're waiting um, for our adoption of sons. So we wait whether or not... Um, oh, but rewind. Um, whether or not this passage gives you hope hinges on the fact of whether or not you are a son of God. Because right now, if you are not a son of God, if you are not in subjection to him, and through the Holy Spirit calling out, Abba, Father, this glorious um, future is not yours. And honestly, the suffering that you're experiencing now is pretty great compared to the future laid ahead for those who perish in their sins under the just wrath of God. So if you don't have a relationship with God, if you are not one of his sons, ponder this. Think it to yourself. Like, pray, God, give me a heart that cries out, Abba, Father. Accept me as one of your children. And Christ's death is able to do that. You deserve the future of eternal separation from this glory that is hell. But because of Christ's death, we are able to enter into this glory and receive these new bodies and be with him forever, which is what we're made for. 
This is what God designed us in the beginning. And so, so consider it. If you want to learn more about what it looks like to be adopted as God's children, talk to me. Talk to one of, one of the elders. Talk to Matt. Um, it's a free gift. God wants your best. Now, for those of us who are the sons of God, what does that look like? Well, first, we're waiting, which means that our hope isn't here in this world. Um, the, the health and wealth gospel says, hey, if you do this and probably spent, pay this much money and do all these, right, these things, then right now, God will pour out wealth on you. You'll have money. You'll have um, blessings in your relationships. You'll have a fast car. Like, but that's not what Paul's talking about. He says, we are suffering. And that doesn't sound like suffering to me. Um, we should not be looking to receive our hope here and now. Hope that is seen is not hope. And that's not what we're looking for. We need to wait for that hope and invest in what God calls us to. God says, suffer. And so we need to bear under that waiting. We need to love God and love people as he's placed us here. And we need to spread the good news of the glory that's coming. Secondly, we can wait eagerly because this is glorious. Beyond our imaginations, God has something great. Um, I have a co-worker who recently became a Christian, and he is tearing up the Bible. He's reading for hours on end when he gets off of work, and he is excited. He's pursuing God's word, and he's wanting to apply it to his life. And it is exciting, and it kind of reminds me, like, wow, I should be a lot more excited about what God has promised for us. And so part of me is like this eagerness that I see in him, I want to reflect. And my, my heart resonates with, do I really believe what I say I believe? And I do. I do believe that Christ is coming back. I do believe that he will free this world from the decay that it is under. And I do, do believe that this world will be restored. So we can look forward to that in eagerness. Finally, we wait in patience. Or in some translations, it says perseverance. And so there are a lot of us like, yeah, it looks great, but it feels so far away. Right now, you might be going through something really difficult. You might be in grief or depression or chronic illness or loneliness, isolation, financial hardship, or any number of hard things. But remember, God is with us in that. The Holy Spirit groans on our behalf. He knows what you're going through and he cares. And he is able to work that together for good. Um, it really resonated with me in the song, um, Lay Down Your Burdens. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. We have Christ to follow as an example in perseverance and suffering. Hebrew 12 says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. Consider him 
who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The earth is under bondage to decay and it groans to be brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We groan as we long for our adoption as sons. But remember, the Holy Spirit also groans on our behalf. And God is causing these things to work together for good as he brings us home to glory. John sixteen thirty three, Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he's taken to the cross. And he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. God, you are good. You are undescribably good. And God, our minds aren't even able to understand just how glorious you are. And you have invited us to share in that glory. God, I just pray that we remember this as we struggle this week, as we groan through the various struggles that that we are under. Um, God, I just pray that we would wait, that we would, that you would give us patience and endurance as we seek to love and follow you. God, I pray that you would change our hearts as we become more like your son. As I pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit and that we would be crying out, Abba, Father. And God, I pray that if there is anybody here um, reading or listening to this passage, Lord, that you would call them that you would show them the goodness of your glory, that you would remind them that, that this suffering can end in glory. And God, I just pray that they would surrender their lives for you and that they would find adoption as sons. God, I pray that you would bless us, and I thank you that you are able to overcome the world and that you are bringing us into your glory. In your son's precious name, amen.